So for this episode of the World Triathlon Podcast, we get to speak with our reigning world champion, USA's Katie Zafiris, who bounced back from an accident in the Tokyo Test event to win the 2019 Grand Final and Series title in style in Lausanne. Katie, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Great to be able to talk to you. Um, can you set the scene of where you are right now and give us a little glimpse into your life and routine as uh, well, somehow we're already into August. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we are currently in Hampstead, Maryland in the US, which is um, where I grew up. So I spent a large portion of my life in this town. And uh, Tommy and I came here basically after, well, when we were in Florida when all the coronavirus um, happenings began. And so we rented a van one way and drove up with all of our stuff from that, which was a training camp. And then we've basically been in Maryland the whole time. We did go um, a bit down to North Carolina because we're trying to find, now that now that it seems like a nice time to have a home, we're trying to find one. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we my parents have been nice enough to take us in. Mm -hmm. And training wise, um, at the moment, I just had a down week last week where I basically did no training at all. Um, to this week getting back into getting right back into things um hoping that there might be a bit of racing on the horizon your home that you've, you've been staying in was actually the home you grew up in is that right yep yeah so it's it's pretty cool to just be um be here there's certainly lots of memories on tuesday this past tuesday we were doing a track workout at my old high school, which is kind of funny because my high school doesn't even exist anymore. They shut it down. So, um, so there's no more North, no more North Carroll students, but the school building is still there. And luckily the track's still there too. But I was running around in circles, looking at all the fields thinking, Oh, that was like where I did like soccer tryouts and had all my soccer practices. Like this is where I ran my first meet and just, just lots of lots of little memories that were coming in spending so much time at home and so on has that sort of helped with staying kind of trying to keep positive and on an even keel uh or just been even more surreal I guess it's helped in a way I mean it's definitely been a little bonus of getting to spend more time with my family because we're on the road so often that it's not something that we really have gotten to do in the past. I mean, this must be the longest I've been in Maryland for the past at least seven years, if not more. And I think it's just nice to have that support and a bit of like normalcy of, and the reminder that like sport isn't everything. And just to have like the comfort is, is really nice. We did a bit of the reason why we went down to North Carolina was to have more of like a high performance environment because um, being home, it was like more challenging to motivate to get outdoors and um, well, not just get outdoors, but like do my job as I would normally do <laughs> with triathlon. So um, North Carolina kind of provided that like it was very easy to train and there was a lot of different areas. So like there were so many trails, it was easy to get out the door on the bike. And there was like a nice swim set up for us where we could actually swim with other people, um, which was super helpful. So I guess it's a bit of a mix. I mean, we're back in Maryland now until we know um, what the next move is just because we thought it'd be easier to kind of pick up and go from here versus 
be somewhere where we'd be like packed up already but have to like come back and get our bike bags or whatnot so Mm. it just makes it and also not knowing how long to pay for a place to stay or things like that so this just was a lot more um stable (laughs) Mm. um place to be for the uncertainty of what this next month or two will be Hamburg is obviously the first race that people have their eye on for the start of September um so you said you had a, a down week last week as well was that sort of with a view to this week being really starting up and, and cranking things up towards that date um yeah the down week was I mean we'd had like a good five weeks of pretty solid training and like normally during this time like you're not usually we're not usually base training for like <laughs> like six months so I mean a lot of it was just to make sure that we rested and like regrouped I mean it was as much for me mentally as it was for me physically although I was getting pretty tired like the last like week we had training where Joel had to adapt it to just be more endurance and not so much um like workouts or real sessions but um yeah now so to take that week break we'll now make sure that for whatever the remaining (laughs) remaining time is of possibly racing that um I would had a little time to recover both mentally and physically physically your readiness is building up but you know how even in terms of being able to travel at the moment how how's that working out or look (laughs) I think it's not working out so much right now um no but right now uh, as a American we're not allowed to travel very many places um and Europe being one of them the USOC and I know the ITU and like the German Federation there's a ton of people that are working on like behalf of the athletes here to see if we might be able to get tested when we get there or um, quarantine or what what kind of stipulations might be necessary for us to race but it is very strange like the race being now less than a month away and having kind of no idea if we uh, if it's going to work out and if we will be allowed to travel or if it's like pending the restrictions if it were like a two-week quarantine then it really wouldn't make sense for us to um, go because two weeks just wouldn't be like super great for being race ready <laughs> um, so like my coach Joel Filial he had when we when this all first kind of started and a lot there was a lot of uncertainty the idea was always to like be in a state of readiness and then if there were races on the schedule to like kind of build for them and then if the race got canceled like then we would adapt our plans but we would prepare as if the race was going to happen so that's kind of where we're at right now and i think for me it it really helps to have the races on the schedule even if they don't um end up happening just because it gives me something to train for it motivates me to do the work and um like do the intensity because if if I just knew I wasn't going to be racing for a really long time I think it would be a lot harder to kind of get myself out the door and like train properly 
I noticed, for example, you'd sort of been done a few posts about going meat free and so on. Is this the sort of time that you've been able to try out a few things like that? Yeah, I suppose like in a way, I mean, I'm not going fully meat free, but I'm just uh, having more, more meatless meal options. And um, definitely, I, I would have considered myself like eating meat for basically almost every meal of the day, <laughs> every day. And now it's, it's a lot less of that. It's probably almost halved. Um, but I, I still do eat some meat. But um, I think just having like, the awareness of other goals and having I mean it really helps to kind of have an idea like eat I mean I know meatless Monday has been a thing for a super long time but I I would never really I don't want to say I didn't pay attention but uh, I had never participated myself and now every time I do a meatless Monday I'm like oh like it's another day of like being able to do that and I think that also helps particularly for like just starting um, being in the U.S. and being in an area where um, it's a little bit easier for me to just like find my way around the grocery store and figure out what I'm doing type thing just because it's I think it's comfortable which makes it easier um, versus like being in a different country and not really Hmm. knowing all the labeling or things like that. Um, So that's been part I've also um, there's been a lot of uh, I, I guess awareness being brought to um, being anti-racist in the U.S. and across the world and I've been doing a lot more reading in that realm which has really been um, eye-opening for me and something that I would have to say that like I haven't been um, so aware of or um I guess in a bit like a bit oblivious with having some white privilege on on that so I've been doing a lot more reading of history and kind of um, just how to be the best anti-racist I can be so Mm. that's something that I can definitely say (laughs) has brought um, me into more of an educational uh, personal education sphere as well um, more so than ever in the past I think in a sense, when we travel, um, it's easier to just not pay attention to the news at all and not pay attention to a lot of happenings because uh, we're just further away from it. And part of being home has, that's been like, we're more in it. It's, it's not avoidable and it shouldn't be avoidable. So, so that's been like an added bonus of trying to find that balance of not being overwhelmed because there there is a lot going on in the world and a lot of um not very nice feelings and discomfort but that doesn't always mean well that doesn't mean you should shy away from like learning and figuring out okay like how can I like how can I make a difference and I think before I would get overwhelmed because it's like well how am I possibly supposed to like fix everything in the world and then you realize like you don't have to fix everything in the world but you do have to (laughs) fix yourself to mm. a degree and play the part that you can <laughs> yeah and also when I suppose behaviors and policies have such a direct effect it's quite rare that they can have such a immediately direct effect on you and your career and leaves you in a even more frustrating position I guess that it's so out of your hands 
Yeah. And I guess it's just like, I mean, it's funny because I found like a lot of parallels with racing and training and like, we're trained to train to get uncomfortable. And so like in training and racing, and so like bringing that now to my personal life, but also you also are trained in racing and in racing as a thought that like, you can only control like the controllables, right? So like myself, and like, I can try to have a positive impact on the people surrounding me, but ultimately I am the only one that I can control. <laughs> and, and I think that brings itself to all the things going on in the world. And like now, like my, like what I'm feeling with like personal life is like trying to do what I can and act in a way that I would like other people to act. It's a difficult time. It is. Yeah, it is very challenging. And it's really hard to navigate through. My dad was watching some like, I don't know, like 30 for 30. I don't know. It was some like sports moment with like the baseball teams. And at the end, they were all hugging and celebrating the win. And all I was thinking was oh, like, it's so sad that right now, like we can't we can't do that. We can't hug. We can't celebrate. And <laughs> I'm very excited for whenever, whenever we can again. That'll be, that'll be pretty special. And if it is Hamburg, then uh, it won't be, it won't be in that, in that lake, which is presumably not the kind of swim that you would want your first swim to be, first <laughs> swim back to be either. Yeah, I'm really interested to see um, where it will be and what the. Um, yeah like basically everything I'm excited to see what the course would be like what um if it changes how we race at all in, in the sense of um like COVID stuff but it's as Joel has said any racing will be good racing so yeah that, that's our hopes for sure and a lot of friendly faces that you won't have seen in a long time yes yeah it's been it's been nice being able to stay connected through like all the technologies of like WhatsApp and I mean, Instagram and everything, but it's, it doesn't replace seeing people in person and getting to connect that way. And, and even as someone who needs, you know, you, you always seem to thrive on the preparation and so on. It does like, have you been able to kind of make peace with the chaos that's, that's going on? Um, or do you find yourself kind of, just crying out for a little bit of normality and I'd say I fluctuate with um <laughs> acceptance I've I would say I've done like I felt pretty um pretty good for most of most of the time and just had like moments of <laughs> just feeling a little lost and <laughs> um lacking lacking direction or like why or questioning like why am I doing this I actually had um we were on a bike ride yesterday and it, we got to like a fork in the road and there's just this sign that says like is the letter y basically for how the roads were and I was like oh that's like <laughs> pretty um sign like, and a half, relates yeah. with me right now <laughs> so, um but I think it's it's been good because any time that I've started to feel a bit more uncertain or a little like off balance because of everything that's going on I've I've had my family I've had Tommy I've like been really good at communicating like where I'm at with Joel and he's like if we've needed to change training a little bit because of like 
more feelings and emotions than anything, then we've kind of adapted just a bit. And then even like, I talked to my sports psychologist still during this time who is like for performance and obviously we're not racing, but um, I've kept that appointment scheduled for like what basically once a month and each time I'm like well I might like cancel it if I realize if like I don't need it but each time I've really enjoyed let's like talking talking to her and just talking things out and um, having like a sounding board or validating my like concerns or <laughs> like frustrations kind of thing so um, I've definitely had moments where it has been less than enjoyable <laughs> like in this time as everybody in every situation has but I think my overall feeling is still more like positive and I'm really glad that like the Olympics weren't canceled and that they're postponed for next year and whether like next year happens or not like to me I'm just glad that there's a shot there's a chance that we'll still be going and that I have that like clear direction to aim for for the next year the, the tokyo qualification you know that is obviously such a massive thing for for when racing does get back and the qualification process gets back underway has that sort of also kind of compounded that that sense of just really wanting to get back out and racing as soon as possible and get that qualification nailed as soon as possible yeah for sure i mean it would be it would be nice <laughs> to to have that have that done um and like i mean i just i'm really driven by racing and <laughs> like when people describe like are they a trainer or a racer like um i would say not having races on this schedule or not being able to race has been a challenge for me because even though i don't I do enjoy training. I enjoy training for something. <laughs> so, um, so I'm looking forward to when that maybe we hit some more normalcy with <laughs> the racing schedule being back to normal. Yeah. So the, the relationship with Joel at the moment is obviously entirely virtual, but I mean, presumably you're very used to working kind of remotely with him as well. Not just not for such long periods of time. Can you talk us through how, you first started working with Joel when that was and um, what presumably was for you then like a huge amount of excitement at working with someone like him and, and everything that that might bring to your racing. Yeah. So in 2014, I was looking for a coach and also uh, dating Tommy at the time who was coached by Joel or well, still who was coached by Joel then and still is. Um, but he, um, Tommy had recommended Joel and I was looking at Joel's group of women looking at how well, like how awesome they were and just um, how experienced they were in triathlon. So when it came to the grand final in Edmonton, basically, so I finished, I think I finished ninth or something. And I finished the race and I was like looking at the results and I was like, man, if like, if I was on Joel's like group, then like we would have had like 25% of the top women be just from his, his group, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And at the time I was talking to him anyways about <laughs> asking him if he'd have me on his team. So he was always my, my first choice. It was just kind of to see if he, if he would have space for me or want me on his squad and I really appreciate how Joel goes about 
getting new people on his squad because it's not just like oh you have good results it's like okay you like yes the results like do have some weight but a lot of it's like personality and um, how well people are going to mesh with the group so after that race he I'm pretty sure we like we met for breakfast or something and he told me that I could be on the squad and so I was really excited and I went to my first camp in Portugal with um, with the group that December. And so I've been with Joel now since December of 2014. Um, and it's been, it's been awesome. And the group has like changed as the years have passed. Like some athletes have like come into the group and others have gone and done different things or retired or whatnot, but it's been really cool watching the group evolve and watch kind of Joel evolve too, as a coach. So, I mean, Tommy was obviously already part of the group then, so that helped massively. In- <laughs> Did help to have him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah, as far as joining a, a new group must be kind of quite a, a nerve-wracking thing, is it, as well? Who who were the, the leading women at the time in within the group? Yeah, so Sarah True was part of the group, but then also, like, I felt like it just had different leaders because Carol, Routier, Vendela, they were all part of the group. And then when I came on, um, Lisa Perderer was on the group and Rachel Klammer. So uh, I'm not like, I I would say Sarah would probably have been the most uh, like experienced and because she is American as well, like the person who I kind of looked up to the most for it. But I also felt like everybody kind of had their strengths and it didn't matter like the ages or anything because people would kind of find where they where their leading spot was. And I thought that was really cool is that it didn't it wasn't always one particular person, but it kind of would shift based off of what we were doing and what kind of skill was being worked on. In terms of the way that, that training has evolved as well, from from a, a mid-season session in 2014 to a mid-season session last year, are they, you know, presumably the, the bases, basics are still there, but have they, have they changed and evolved a huge amount in, in a short space of time, do you think? I think they have. I think the basic premises and like the underlying... Um, just kind of like platform that the team has been built on and like the type of training we do has remained relatively similar over the years but definitely um there's been there's been a few changes also I feel like it's like for me I now have built in like a lot more like skill specific sessions or race specific sessions in the sense of um doing a little bit more and we don't do a ton of it, but doing a little bit more brick sessions so we can work on those transitions or doing um, like parking lot efforts on the bike to get that kind of crit style racing and get ready for the technical courses. So um, there's been like, we do, we don't do a ton of all out um, efforts for any of our training, but we do a lot more like building and um being able to put in the volume but like consistently over the whole well I guess over like years now but I feel like it all adds up and it's one of those reasons that I feel like I've just continued to kind of climb 
over the past few years is because we've always done work that is like hard but manageable <laughs> um, mm. and can just be built off of year after year after year. So we never have really tried to do like anything crazy, um, but it's just been kind of steadily building from one year to the next. Yeah, and as well as those sort of techniques and the training loads and, and so on, it's like last year, I remember you saying that you were just looking to race more assertively uh, and that sort of showed almost straight out of the out of the gate uh, from last season. So where, where does a, an idea like that come from? Is it from you or would Joel take you to one side and say, have a look at this or is just do things like that? more come from the athlete themselves I think um I think it's a combination of factors but I truly believe that like like that type of change can only come from like me personally like it's like someone telling you like to do something or change something but you can only change it once you realize how valuable it is or like how to do it so like I'm I'm sure that like Joel like would guide me in how I was racing to race more assertively but it took me kind of being like feeling it I guess and so so a big part of that was um 2018 and Gold Coast where I raced more assertively and I like I didn't I came in I don't even know what I came in I think third but like I didn't get the world championship because Vicky beat me but the wit the way I raced was a more assertive taking control of the race than what I'd really ever done in the past. And by doing that, even though like it didn't work out like a hundred percent, it showed me that I could do it and how to kind of grow from there. And I'm a big, like, I love reflecting on races and trying to figure out, okay, like, this went well, this didn't, how can I be better? And part of being assertive is a lot more, I mean, it takes the like a physical ability to do it, but it takes the mental like <laughs> dedication and execution of it. And so a lot working on like that side of things with like myself and like resources that I have, but also like talking to my sports psychologist and like, trying to figure out in training how do I practice this in training to be able to do it in a race yeah you said that the people joining his group you know there has to be a certain personality that works and that's the personality presumably that people like being around but also for for, for Joel who's got an awful lot of athletes out on the course at any one time you know he needs you to be honest when you're having your post-race debrief, I guess, and you have to be able to tell him exactly how you're feeling and be honest with yourself and with him for him to then be able to improve you as an athlete. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. Cause like now that we've worked together for a like, few good years, it's like, he knows me like really well. So when I start getting like nervous or anxious before a race, he'll be like, like go back to your process, like write it out because he knows I'm like, I, I enjoy writing out my goals. I enjoy writing out my schedule. I enjoy like anything. I like, like actually using a pencil or pen and getting down on paper. And by doing that, it gets myself like out of my brain. Mm. And so like in a time when maybe I'm not remembering to do that, 
like he'll notice it and be like do this and then I send I'll send whatever I wrote out by hand to him like take a picture not like by mail but um (laughs) and and like he'll kind of look at me like yep that like looks good or like if I missed any like kind of critical pieces or goals he'll we'll discuss them so um it's been very neat to see that happen and also like another thing that I really respect is um how he's able to individualize everybody's training so even though we're a group that works together there's also a lot of individualness based like built into our training program so like there might be all of us might be doing a track workout, but pending the intervals or um, like how long we're going for like repeats, it might be different based off of different people. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that our whole group has managed to be successful is that everybody's program is built for them, not necessarily everybody's doing the same thing because we're a group. Hmm. And then going into whether it was the Tokyo test event or or the Olympics uh as it should have been how does that how does the the team dynamic and training work then within the USA setup do it at some point does Joel kind of have to hand you over as it were and then you're within that or no we um we basically all are doing our own individual things um with our individual coaches so it's kind of funny because when it comes to um, racing, that's like the first time we're seeing each other and racing with each other or training or like we don't train with one another. So with regard to Olympic qualification and obviously the, the depth of talent within the women's team there, I mean, does that, does that help in a way that you you are kind of all quite separate? I did. I don't, I'm not trying to sort of lure you into discussing something <laughs> awkward here, but there must be a sort of, otherwise a, a bit of an elephant in the room type situation when it's, you know, plus you throw in the mixed relay. Um, I guess like, I, I suppose there's probably bonuses to both different situations. Cause I mean, the nice part with like working with Joel and being the only American on our, on our team is this, that like, I really can just focus on myself and I don't really, I'm just trying to be like the best version of myself without having like a direct comparison, um, day to day. But I guess the other part is like, if you are training with, um, another American, then you, then you see where you're (laughs) like, Mm. you can compare and it's going to have its positives and it'll have its drawbacks depending on how you see it or how it's viewed. But I mean, I think the, the nice part about it is that we can all be in whatever place is best for us. So like some, some people are, some of like the USA team is training together and I think you can feed off each other in like a good way for that but it is also is challenging because you can also compare yourself in like a negative way as like any comparison can go (laughs) yeah yeah so you're coming to like a big qualification race in Yokohama and you don't actually have quite have that baggage of arch competition because it's not been part of your build-up really right I mean it's everyone has the same goal so it's kind of yeah it's not as much on the 
on the radar. And you're, I mean, with the team one, especially like you're just trying to do the best you can and as well as you can for the, for USA. So it's almost, I mean, I guess there's strategy in a sense, but there's also, it's just like, you're going to try and go as fast as you can and put, put the U.S. in the best position possible at once by the time you hand off or tag off. We were looking back at the Tokyo test event last weekend as well. Um, obviously, there was a, an incident that you would rather forget um, on, the, on the bike there. But in terms of in terms of what you did get to know about the course and, and the swim and so on. It was something I was expecting worse for because I know how terrible swimming in warm water is. So I like and it wasn't going to be a surprise <laughs> that the water felt like that. So it was nice because leading into the race, I mean, leading into just the Tokyo Testament, not just the swim, but the race in general, like we were preparing for the heat and like we were doing heat preparation, but also like, I think the mental preparation of just being ready for like the discomfort of like warm water or like how that might feel. So I feel like I finished the swim and I was like, oh, that wasn't like as terrible as I thought it would be. Um, also I really like like double lap swims where you can like dive straight in and I remember like really enjoying like that coming out of the ramp and then pushing off to dive in because that's like a part you can kind of catch up on if (laughs) if it's not during the actual swimming portion of it you can actually do some little minor catching up just from the dive in (laughs) so um but it's definitely like a challenge and I would have been so thrown off if expecting the water to be cooler and then came in and had that. Yeah. And, and then as far as the, the bike course, um, I suppose the nature of the accident, uh, for those listening, there was, um, yeah, you just kind of hit the barrier there, uh, relatively early on, didn't you? But presumably it's not something that will, you're hugely going to worry about given the fact that it was such a an unusual occurrence it's not you know you don't feel like that that it'll be playing on your mind too much no I um (laughs) I I never thought I'd crash on a straight that was never a concern (laughs) so so now now it is no I'm just kidding but um it was like I was like talk again talking to like my sports like after the race she's like it's not like that's not a common thing. All I know now is never to look back, never look back. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I really actually like the course and the flow and even saying that having like crashed myself into a barrier, like I, I thought it was a pretty cool course where um, it just has so many like little different elements and segments to it. And even for being like Tokyo where you'd be like oh a flat course I mean it ha- I didn't even get to do very many of the laps so I'm sure it was more tiring than what I got to do but uh just like it does have those little bumps in it or like going through the tunnel and things like that and even even the ramp <laughs> like created over the sand so um yeah it's a it's, it's a, a mentally challenging awesome. course as well as physically right yeah and just there's a lot of different like pieces of it mm. Um, but I think like for the Olympics, it's just harder because there's a lot, um, it's a lot more different of like, 
an atmosphere or like a lead up into the race like it's a lot more built up and there's just like a more emotional aspect to it than like any other race but I also feel like that's part that's part of figuring out the Olympics and for me like Rio I would say like looking back there were a lot of ways I would have gone about that race a bit differently where um, I think like a lot about just like focusing on more of the process things which I thought I was doing then but I think I lost it a little bit um, where it became more like like wanting to podium and having those process goals but them maybe being a lot more uh, infiltrated by the outcome goals <laughs> type thing mm. and also just like one of the biggest things I learned from Rio was like everyone had talked about that uphill going into the going into the race but not very many people had talked about the downhill which that was the scariest part for me and so I felt like I had focused a lot on like my mind was more focused on the downhill when I could have looked at it in a different way of like that downhill is going to challenge me but I'm strong enough to do blah 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 and that would be like changing that focus from like kind of fear-based to strength-based because ultimately days before the race you're not going to be able to change <laughs> like skill-wise you're not going to be able to change much <laughs> no no I suppose also I was thinking more the the sort of possibility being higher of someone doing something a bit unexpected maybe you know on the third lap of the run kind of really putting the gun down and asking a question that maybe on a in a world series in Montreal they might be less inclined to do so early on or so on well I think the cool thing is like after so many years of racing you, we've experienced a lot of different scenarios so probably one of those whatever would happen in like Tokyo would have been tried before <laughs> to like some degree I mean like that was like thinking of uh, Flora in Bermuda a few years ago when she absolutely crushed the field like that could be like a Tokyo tactic you know and like that's something that the way she raced that changed how like prepared me for the next time I raced to her because you're like learning from like well you like can't guarantee that just because she's one person and you're like a pack of five that you're going to be able to catch them so yeah. so it's like learning I think having all these races to experience and kind of build off of and um, learn from is really good because the more races you have like I mean four years is a long time with a lot of races <laughs> so mm -hmm. so four more years of being able to learn from different race dynamics is really helpful I was talking to Nicholas Birig a couple of weeks ago and she her she said that her coach had impressed upon her the, the likelihood that it would boil down to a sprint finish so she and she had already had one with Lisa just a, a couple of weeks or months beforehand so she said that sort of stood her in good stead but also that she knew that to get a sense of where Lisa was she could just look at the big screen down the final shoot that was obviously set up for the VIP and the spectators and so on and so she was sort of watching herself on the big screen coming down the thing and I, that was something that kind of blew me away a bit in terms of having that presence of mind at that moment 
so yeah, I was just, if you had any, are there any specific elements like that that you've maybe thought about or, you know, that, that kind of finer detail of a race? Yeah, I think it's always just to like, for me, it would just be to be ready. <laughs> like always, I mean, I kind of race in fear, like <laughs> in the sense that I never count anybody out no matter where they are in the race until I'm crossed the finish line. And I think by racing in that way, it's always, it's just a huge respect for like my competitors knowing like it's not finished until you cross that line. And so um, I've had, I've had the Brits teach me to always be ready between Vicky and Bermuda and like Georgia Taylor Brown and in Leeds. Like, I, I guess for me, like, I'm just like, like you were asking about the different types of or different moves people might do for the Olympics. Like I'm learning from every move from the people during our normal WTS races to hopefully be able to be ready and be present. Kind of like Nicola was saying during, during the Tokyo Olympics. And then um, I know I asked you about this and I wondered if Tommy had had any uh, thoughts as well. Just, having talked to Claire Michelle about the Belgian hammers and the, um, the mixed relay. And I was trying to kind of drum up with some, some names for the American team as well. Uh, as we start this sort of campaign to try and get some snazzy names for the mixed relay teams. Did you, <laughs> did you have any thoughts? I particularly like the Brazilian selection, like the selection, which sounds uh, kind of somehow elevates it. And yet is very simple at the same time. Yeah, well, I I outsourced for this one to Tommy because I had no idea. But he he said he said the four of July, which I kind of liked. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That is good. So that's that's from uh, the Zafiris family. <laughs> Can be put in the voting box for for names for the U.S. team. All right, nice. Yeah, I'd had someone had put forward the the Dreamers as you know sort of tying into the american dream thing oh nice yeah i was trying to go with something star but then i didn't i didn't like what i came up with so we'll, we'll stick with four of july all right sounds good well thanks very much it's been been great to catch up with you and uh yeah hear how everything's going yeah thanks it was fun talking yeah well uh, hope to see you soon tommy likewise we'll catch up somewhere at some point Heck yeah. He says, heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, see you. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.